0: Good morning, Tucson and all of southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice of the in depth news conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Welcome to this Monday edition of the show, our Monday morning news hour. After a, another busy spring weekend in Tucson, it's, it could be back on the air. I feel rested and ready to go. And I hope the same is true for you, Matt Neely, making the, the magic happen on the other side of the glass. As always, good morning to you and good morning to our listeners.
1: Absolutely, Zach. Happy Monday, and uh, the wind is blowing us right into this week.
0: It is. It was. It was very. It was very windy. It, we we are we are careening already, Matt. Oh no! Week as uh, as you like as you like to say, uh, but no. I, I'm looking forward to today's show. Uh, I want to talk about an interesting piece out of the Wall Street Journal in the back half of the show: the return of the old American right. I think the bottom line is that we are not. No, no matter how much it feels this way. We are not in unprecedented times. It is fascinating to me um, that history repeats in waves uh, cycles of the past and I was talking with my parents yesterday about how it feels like we are in such tumultuous times and I think we are But 100 years ago, we had a lot of the similar trends going on, and the the America of 100 years ago uh, doesn't look dissimilar to the America of today. So what does it mean for today? You'll get my stream of conscience on that, uh, lucky you. But uh, in the meantime, for the first half of the show, our Monday morning news hour is with Lorraine Rivera in studio with us live uh, here as the director of Governor Ducey's southern arizona office and we're gonna we're gonna get an update from the governor lorraine it is good uh, to be with you it is good to see you and welcome in again
2: thank you for having me zach i'm honored to be here today of course representing this office
0: for sure yeah and and it goes without saying it this is the uh, this is the first time we've had you on we've had you on before but with a different hat on and uh you're now in the other seat uh, so to speak uh, I, I want to talk about issues for sure, but uh, w- why the change? You, you, you're stepping into Governor Ducey's Southern Arizona office uh, with, uh, you did at least with about a year left to go, his final year, the first governor since the 80s to serve for two terms. Uh, why the jump? Why, why do you jump over uh, with, uh, with about a year left? What made you do that?
2: Uh, on a personal level, Zach, I-, I was ready to leave the media. As you know and as many of us have observed over the years, it's changed quite a bit. and um, It was time. I'm a prayerful person. I had been praying about what the next step might be in my life. And all of a sudden, I got a call asking if I could be recruited for this role. And and what an honor to serve the state of Arizona. I mean, this is home born and raised uh, in Arizona, and I don't see myself leaving. So for me, this was about a greater sense of responsibility to myself and the community and the state. And to be associated with a governor who has done so many great things for the state and will certainly have his mark in our state's history was something that I couldn't pass up. It was a true honor um, and bigger than something that I ever dreamed of.
0: For sure. So so I want to ask you, and certainly want to drill down to the Southern Arizona piece of this because that's your representation, but uh, as you've gotten to sit down with the governor and the governor's team over the last few months since you accepted the role here in the beginning part of the year, uh, what would you say are the governor's top three or uh, four priorities in his last year? I think he's made very clear... Uh, that he does not see himself as a, a lame duck governor he's just gonna you know slide through this last year he's been pretty vocal of he's gonna use this like he used the second and the third and the sixth you know so what are what are his top priorities for the state and then we'll talk about Arizona
2: there's no question governor Ducey believes very strongly that Arizona's economy continues needs to continue growing the economy of course um, is a, a priority Education. Uh, there's no question there either. The border is an issue that we cannot ignore here in the state of Arizona. And finally, as we continue to grow, do we have the resources to sustain the growth? Think of things like water, which is an issue that he um, mentioned, of course, in the state of the state, and something that um, we will see for, for the remainder of the year and also in years to come, regardless of who's governor.
0: What um, if, if we look at those as the statewide priorities, Lorraine, what, what are... What are some of the Southern Arizona, you know, um, emphases? Is that the word? Words are hard on Monday, but uh, well, what are the things that that, that, the, that the that the that you're specifically focused on here in Southern Arizona and here in your role uh, representing the governor, Lorraine?
2: So as the director of Southern Arizona, um, I essentially oversee and manage his relationships in seven counties: so Cochise, Pima, Pennell, Yuma, Graham, Greenlee, Santa Cruz. Um, And those are all issues that are counties that we want to be sure, you know, in rural Arizona, we know they exist and they have a seat at the table. And when I was asked about taking on this position, I thought, what a great opportunity to advocate for um, all of these counties, being that I am born and bred in them. So um, those issues that I laid out, you know, the economy, education, uh, the border, water, those are things that are at the top of his priority list. And I want to be sure in my role that I'm able to communicate that effectively
0: what um i I think we'll talk more about the border in the in the second segment, but is there anything impacting Southern Arizona in a certain way that maybe isn't felt the same way in Maricopa or in Coconino county and in, in flagstaff what when you sit down with the governor, you know what do you say, hey, these are things that are felt more, felt more deeply or specific needs? to the the Southern Arizona part of the seven counties that i'm re- that I represent you in what what are those conversations like?
2: There is no question that issues surrounding the border when it comes to trade when it comes to smuggling those affect places like Cochise, Pima, Santa Cruz, and Yuma County more so than others, but further north in Pinal County, the sheriff there is having issues related to smuggling. Um, You and I were talking before we started this interview about the number of fentanyl deaths that are affecting Pima County and throughout the country. Last year, I think something like 100,000 people across the United States died as a result of a drug overdose. The primary cause was fentanyl and it's coming across here in southern Arizona and in other border communities. Uh, here in the country, but it can't be ignored and it can't be something that we pretend is not happening because it is, and it has an impact on our quality of life.
0: Yeah. You know, I want to do this um, because I want to leave more time to, to deep dive because I think what you're seeing along the border is very relevant. Lorraine, in light of the news that started to uh, break last week, maybe in the last seven to 10 days around the rollback, of Title 42, uh, I'd love to to get a feel for what are some of the things you're watching and seeing here, but also from the governor's office, uh, and, and we'll see what other topics we can we can get into. But we'll we'll talk about that more in detail on the other side. Uh, you're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here, uh, out of the Common Workspace Studios on ten, and 10 on ten thirty. The Voice. It's our Monday morning news hour, Monday edition of the show. We'll be right back after a visit to some of our sponsors. We'll hear from them and come back and talk more southern arizona with lorraine rivera the director of the southern arizona office for governor doug ducey we'll be right back
3: cbs news at the top and bottom of every hour Ten thirty, the voice trusted local news and talk
4: Hey, you. If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
3: Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095.
0: located just two doors down from the rialto theater little love burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch made hamburgers loaded hot dogs have ice cream milkshakes loveable local brews and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches they're open sunday tuesday wednesday and thursday from 9 a.m to 9 p.m and friday and saturday from 9 a.m to 10 p.m follow their beat on instagram and facebook at little love burger tucson and mention you heard about them on tipping point for 15 percent off your next order We're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live here out of the Common Workspace studio. You're listening to the Monday... Morning News Hour edition of Tipping Point here. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Lorraine Rivera is in with us. She's the director of Governor Ducey's Southern Arizona office. We talked about in the first segment some uh, the statewide priorities of the governor here in his last year. Uh, he is termed out, will not be running again as governor, uh, but is serving two terms for the first time since uh, the 1980s, which is a pretty amazing statistic. We talked about uh, Southern Arizona-specific issues. Two things, Lorraine. I'd love to Talk with you more about. Uh, we are watching in real time the the process, the conversation around the rollback of Title Forty Two in in the United States uh, going into May. And it's actually not unanimous among even border Democrats, not to make it political, but we know how Republicans feel and uh, we'll learn how the governor feels about it here in a second, I guess. But uh, even border Democrats are unsure of whether the the Biden administration is ready, whether we've made the right preparations Uh, and the numbers of encounters and apprehensions along the border. Um, are uh, some of the highest of all time, Lorraine. So I'd love, since you represent the seven counties that, that, that hit the border and that are along the border in southern Arizona, uh, what, 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 what's the governor's position on the border and what are the things that y'all are preparing for and thinking about here ahead of, of May?
2: Well, Zach, thanks for the question. I mean, this is an important issue, and if you think it doesn't affect me here in Pima County or in Maricopa County, you are wrong. It is an issue that will have ramifications throughout the state of Arizona and into the rest of the United States. Just to give you an idea, Zach, we have $10 billion worth of trade that Arizona shares with Mexico every single year, and that number just continues to grow. To give you an idea, at the Mariposa Port of Entry in Nogales, this is a commercial truck up. Of entry. Every day there are about 1,500 trucks carrying items, particularly produce. Produce, things that you and I buy at our grocery stores that will not just stop here in the state of Arizona, but that will continue on into the United States. Let me give you an example of what could happen when Title 42 uh, dissolves May 23rd. The moment someone comes into U.S. territory, they have the right to claim asylum. What we saw prior to COVID-19 is that there were instances where people would rush through the ports of entry, through vehicle lanes of traffic. These were people who were rushing through on foot. The moment that happens, field operations officers at the ports of entry have to assess what is happening. That means that legitimate trade and travel, the person who is traveling back and forth to the maquila for work, for example, or that truck carrying thousands of pounds of produce, has to stop. They may have to wait until port officers get a handle on the scenario. All that causes delays. Then there are people who will sit at the port of entry and request asylum. They'll create a a form where they just put uh, their name on a list, hoping that the port officers will be able to process their case. That's what's happening at the port of entry, where legitimate trade and travel happens. Outside the ports of entry, those are the green uniforms, Border Patrol agents. When those individuals are having to stop their work of patrolling the border, they are now transitioning to processing people. This year alone, Tucson sector, this essentially is um, all the Border Patrol stations outside of Yuma, they are expected to see 250,000 encounters. Now, that's a number that hasn't been seen before here in the state of Arizona, and that is just for Tucson sector. That's Douglas, Wilcox, Naco, Nogales, um, Casa Grande. And to give you an idea, So in 2018, there were 56,000 encounters where Border Patrol made an apprehension, right? Last year, 191,000. That's a significant jump. Every day, right now, Yuma and Tucson sector are processing about 2,000 people. These are people that will come into the United States, and then the determination needs to be, are you Title 42? Are you returned? Or do you need to be processed for further um, claims here in the United States?
0: Uh, uh, advocates, Lorraine, for the rollback of Title 42 uh, will say, look, if we stop just recycling these encounters, because some will say, look, Title 42 is basically you, that you, there's someone who is encountered under Title 42. They are moved back to the other side of the border. And then seven to ten days later, they try it again and just recycled.' And some will say, look, the way to bring these encounters down is to roll back Title 42. What, what are you seeing? Is that, is, that, is that something that the governor buys? Is that something that you buy? Is that What do you make of that? This
2: issue is paramount for the governor and he is weighing all sorts of options and discussions right now at this point and he's made no bones about that. What we have to consider is that if these individuals are brought into the United States Where do they go once they're processed by federal authorities? They go into the shelter systems, and unfortunately there's not a robust system that's in place to accommodate all of these people. We're talking about single adults. We're talking about families with children. Where do they go? How are they processed? How are they transported out of Arizona? Uh, It's the airport. It's the Greyhound bus system, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done to ensure this is done safely and securely. I have individuals on the shelter side of things who are telling me this is a humanitarian crisis. Then you have the governor who's saying this is a public safety crisis, a humanitarian crisis, and a national security emergency. Those are all issues that need to be discussed, and the concern coming from the federal government, at least what the state would like to uh, get the federal government to understand, is that there's not a plan in place. There's not an ambitious plan in place that would help us get in front of this issue
0: and be sure it's done so mm.
2: humanely and safely
0: last question on this topic and then i want to move on to summer camp what does a good plan look like what, what, what either what you hear on the border or from the governor what is the governor's office advocating saying president if you're going to do this we need xyz what's xyz
2: First and foremost, Governor Ducey would like to see someone from Washington, D.C., leadership, i.e., Vice President Kamala Harris or President Biden or um, Mr. Mayorkas come and actually see what's happening. Because when you have children who are shoved into trunks and the driver is armed and these people are paying thousands of dollars, we have U.S. citizens who are being recruited via Snapchat and WhatsApp to pick up these individuals um, in communities like Sierra Vista and Douglas and then drive them At high rates of speed, we have seen uh, pursuits, we have seen fatalities as a result of this. What else do you call this? If this isn't a crisis that needs attention, perhaps if Washington, D.C. leadership saw it for what it was, they might understand the gravity of the situation and respond differently. We need support, we need resources, but as the governor has said, this is a federal government issue. Unfortunately, it has not been dealt with at the level he would like to see, and that means that it falls to the state, in which case impacts our quality of life, and it's something that needs to be discussed.
0: Lorraine, if I ask another follow-up question, I might have to ask you to stay over another segment uh, because I really want to talk about schools um talk about the summer camp program we know that our I mean here in TUSD I've talked about how we are in terms of proficiency in English and math Lorraine we are in the single digits and teens for eighth graders in English and math it's a crisis and it's due to COVID it was low before COVID but COVID exacerbated the problem uh tell me about summer camps and what you're seeing
2: All right. If there is a grandparent, a parent who's listening, please log on to ontrack.az.gov. We have free summer camps that will be offered from June 1st to August 8th. Um, This comes by way of the American Rescue Plan. These are dollars that came into the state that the governor said we need to do something useful with them. Let's invest in one of our most precious resources, people children our future these kiddos can pick up to uh, four different camps they run about two weeks each and um, you don't have to go to your school district you can go to one that maybe is near mom or dad's work or maybe near grandparents house private school kids can go they can go to charter schools um, and you pick the one that suits your interests the best there's a a drone camp a theater camp let me give you a, a really sobering statistic zach and it's that in 2021 um 38% 38% of Arizona kids pass the English language um, testing. Another 31% passed math. That's concerning. If it doesn't trouble you, I would ask you to listen to those figures again. 30% passing rates. What becomes of these children as they continue on with their education? Uh, Lisa Graham Keegan, a former a superintendent of public instruction, is spearheading this and we were excited to talk about it because this actually boasts a child's confidence. Think about it. You've been locked up in your house for the last two years, not answering to any authority other than your mom or your dad. Um, so you're not in the classroom with a, a teacher, with classmates. You're not able to socialize. You're not able to, to brainstorm and to get ideas about how to solve problem. Critical thinking is down. What a great opportunity to reduce that summer slide that we all know happens. I don't know if you remember this, Zach, but summers were a lot of fun. There wasn't a lot of work being done. And I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but I'm saying it does happen. And we're providing a place for students to go where it is safe. We're providing extra um, pay for teachers who want to do this and we think it's a really good opportunity just to get back into the groove of things make up for lost time and hopefully come back swinging in August
0: uh, That's great and I think it's so, it's so important uh, I want to fit in a really quick listener question um, that was submitted uh, that was submitted to us Does Governor Doug Ducey regarding the border plan to follow Governor Abbott's lead in sending asylum seekers to D.C.?
2: All things are being discussed, including um, transporting individuals out of the state uh, quickly. But again, we want to be sure this is done humanely.
0: Let's leave it there. Lorraine, uh, it, it's been great to have you on. Uh, it's been great to have you on in multiple roles on the show. But today, uh, in your new and most recent one, is the director of the Southern Arizona Office for Governor Doug Ducey. Thanks for talking about some important topics with us. And let's do this again soon. It's great to have you here in Southern Arizona representing us and representing the governor to us, Lorraine. So very happy about that. You're welcome. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Lorraine. When we come back from a short bottom of the hour news break and sponsor messages, we'll continue With our Monday morning news hour here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Thanks for being with us, and there's lots more to go. We'll be right back.
3: Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095.
1: Spending time with Devon and her team.
3: When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m.
0: on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on am 1030 KVY The Voice, the in-depth news conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Uh, it is our Monday morning news hour, and we spend it as we have multiple times in the past uh, with Lorraine Rivera, um, who has been on the show before from Arizona 360 on Arizona Public Media. But today she was in in her new-ish role, though it's been a few months, as the director of Governor Ducey's Southern Arizona office. And it was good to catch up with her about what are the governor's priorities, what are the things that he's looking at, um, those being education, the border, the economy, and water. And we could have spent, honestly, two hours uh, on that. I really think so. But in the time that we had, which was two segments, we uh, deep dived in the second one, if you missed it, on the rollback of Title 42 and uh, what it means for the border uh, from the vantage point of Governor Ducey's office and Lorraine Rivera representing him here uh, in the counties that are along. Uh, the border, as well as summer camp, to get the uh, the 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 passing rates for English and math above the thirty uh, percent in this state, and uh, lots of conversation there. Uh, and thanks for submitting questions 520-790-2040 is your live line to either let Matt know you have a question or to call in uh, yourself. I got a couple of things that I want to talk about here, but some of the border numbers. That uh, were presented, that are being estimated uh, with the rollback of title forty two um, in May are were really interesting to me. These are numbers I didn't know. You know, we don't sit down and sketch out, you know every single sentence and paragraph of the <laughs> of these shows. I'm sitting here learning and listening um as you are didn't plan to talk about the border this morning, but you know this is such an an interesting situation uh beginning to to shape up as at the end of may uh, we look at again the rollback of title 42 but first matt it was so good to have uh lorraine on the show uh, i've been a big fan for a number of years uh, i don't know if i should say this on the air or not but i've been a big fan and i think she's a great choice for representing us uh, in the governor's office and it was fun to to, uh, to uh, interview her, not as a, a media person, but now as someone who um, represents the top executive in the state. So good to have her back.
1: Matt. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh,
0: But uh, on the border, right? So if you missed it, and I, th- I wrote these notes down, I think I have it right, that in 2018, the uh, number of encounters along the border were something like 55 to 60,000 that year. In 2022, uh, there is an estimate of 250,000 encounters. And that's just a, you know, a 5x number, if I can do math right on the show. And I struggle to talk about the border um, because it is so politicized. Um, if you, uh, if you uh, in, in any way, it seems, question uh, the uh, rollback. Uh, at this point in time, in May of Title 42, you are pigeonholed into a certain political perspective. You're pigeonholed into, um, a point of view. And, and I refuse to have that done, uh, to me on this, by the way. I just want to be a little bit proactive and forceful, um, about that, uh, that, that I, you know, I, I think my questioning is actually in line with, uh, Virginia Democrat Senator Mark Warner. For example, who said until there is a plan, as we heard Lorraine Rivera say on behalf of Governor Ducey, you got to have secure borders to do something that might invite a doubling, tripling, quadrupling uh, in Arizona on the Tucson sector. We're hearing a 5X of numbers at the border. That is not in the best interest of America. That's not in the best interest of the administration or the people who are trying to go through the process. Of course, Senator Joe Manchin, a moderate Democrat, also has said from West Virginia that uh, the administration should rethink the decision entirely. Arizona's Senators Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly sent a letter to the president recently arguing that Title 42 needs to remain in place until the administration has demonstrated a clear plan to manage the number of, uh, of migrants, as the CNN piece says, uh, that would come across the border. They both wrote, given the impacts that changes to Title 42 could have on border communities, border security, and migrants, we urge your administration not to make any changes to Title 42 until you are completely ready to execute and coordinate a comprehensive plan that ensures a secure, orderly, and humane process at the border. And look, you know, I I, I haven't uh dived into this issue enough to, to to look at I mentioned four senators out of the you know out of the hundred that we have in in this country that are all Democrats uh, by the way they're saying wait a second we don't feel ready I haven't you know looked deep enough are these you know are these Democrats who are in a, uh, a tough election in November Th- this border issue is so difficult because it's so politicized all the time. And people have asked that about Mark Kelly. You know, Mark Kelly um, has to, I think, have a certain position on immigration heading into what will no doubt be a very difficult uh, general election race heading towards November. I get those dynamics. Um, But I I, I, I look at this from a non-politicized way and just pragmatically, it would seem to me that we need a plan. And we need not just a promise of resources, but resources to fund that plan. And then when those two things are in place, then you roll back Title 42. To me, that's not on the merits of Title 42. It shouldn't be on the merits of it for anybody. Look, look. whether you like Title 42 or whether you don't like Title 42, we have a president who doesn't want to have Title 42. Okay, elections have consequences. But, but make sure the plan is there And the resources are there. we didn't get into it a ton, but it was interesting to talk with Lorraine Rivera, um, who is talking to shelters here, and and saying we're not ready. Transportation is not ready. We are not ready for the 250,000 encounters that are possible in just the Tucson sector, just the Tucson sector, just one sector of the Arizona borderlands, which is just one state of this whole piece of the puzzle. of course, Senator Manchin has wishful thinking. He's quoted as saying, I think we should reconsider removing it. Maybe that would get us to spur uh, on a good immigration policy that works for America. Secure our borders. The borders have to be secure. Democrat Joe Manchin. Of course, that's wishful thinking. Anybody actually thinks that anybody in Washington actually wants to solve this problem is just, you know, I got a bridge to sell you or whatever that saying is. Because I, I am not convinced that anybody actually wants to solve the nuts and bolts of this thing. I think it's fodder. It's, it's political. But I'm certainly one who lives along the border, uh, you know, in a border community here in Tucson, just a few miles relatively from the border, um, th- that I am not convinced. I haven't seen, you know, whether it is visits by the federal government to the border at the highest level, whether it is resources or support, um, that we are prepared for the surge of humanity at this time that is coming in. Right, and I haven't even mentioned the political optics of this, which, of course, if they go wrong, are going to be used ahead of November. I think that's completely a different topic. I think what bothers me is when there is a policy that is more politics than policy. And I've talked about it on this show before. I see it locally, whether it is on housing, whether it is on jobs, whether it is on uh, you know public safety. So often the quote policy is more politics than policy and there's no plan behind the slogan. There's no plan. And and I'm not convinced and I'm willing to be convinced. Somebody show me the numbers. Um, That if what Lorraine is saying is true, that we could see up to 250,000 encounters uh, this year up from 56 in 2018. I'm not convinced we have a plan for that surge of humanity along the border. And by the way, I am pro-immigration. I'm just one of those guys, uh, individuals, like a lot of Americans, I think, that would like to see it done well and done better. Would like to see a better process with more hands on deck, more resources, an actual solution. So regardless of what the Republicans think, I'm sort of along the same line as at least four Democrats that I've read today. Like, wait a second. We're not actually ready for this, and this is to nobody's benefit. Lorraine got into a lot of other dynamics as well that I think are really important in this conversation I didn't even touch on in my, in my debrief. Listen back to especially the second segment um, of, of, of today's show on the podcast, if you missed it live, where she goes into some of the concerns, not, not just from a state government standpoint, but as she meets with shelters, as she meets with individuals who are going to have to manage uh, this rollback who uh, probably politically agree with the rollback, who just don't feel ready for the actual nuts and bolts. It, it, really interesting stuff. Again, this was not on the script to talk about in the third segment, um, but but it got me thinking. Let's go to our final break of the hour. When we come back, an interesting piece out of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and I probably need to reread it a couple of times because it's 17 pages long. But the return of the old American right. Uh, I, you know, I, I think the word "unprecedented" may not apply as much to our reality today as we think. Uh, America of a hundred years ago looks eerily like, in a lot of ways, the America of today. What does it mean for today? I'll uh, I'll take a crack at that and see and see what we come up with. We'll be right back here on the Monday Morning News Hour. I'm your host Zach Yenster. Tipping Point returns. Don't go anywhere.
3: Local and national politics, the issues that matter to you. 1030 The Voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk.
0: Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art, is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition. In his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest, Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America, opening just this month through April 24th you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now.
4: Hey you! If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in Greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
0: Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to -to EarnToLearn.org to find out more. This
4: is Bill Buckmaster, the Monday political face-off coming up at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona wrapping up this Monday morning, Monday morning news hour edition of Tipping Point with Zach Genser here on AM1030K VOI, The Voice. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger, they opened downtown last fall, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream, milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. And I'm pleased to report they're doing really, really well. And I'm so excited for them, and I'm happy to be a part of the of the launch so far. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Kinsler for a fifteen one five percent discount off your next order, which we made happen uh for matt last week uh uh, matt got to try it for the first time we uh caught up after the show for lunch and you can attest to it right matt i'm gonna loop in on this tell him him you heard about it it on tipping point and just (laughs)
1: like that 15 (laughs) percent
0: matt has heard about it uh every day now i think for about six months so i haven't
1: had a chili burger in forever and i had their chili burger it was delicious really good and a shake yeah and a shake absolutely why not yeah
0: so you, so you tried the milkshakes? Yes. You tried the sandwiches? Yep. Um, it was good stuff. So It was a lot of fun. It, it was
1: a good catching up with you, Zach, and uh, had a had a great lunch over at Little, Little Love Burger.
0: Absolutely. And it was busy. I mean, and it, that's not like a new thing, but it's great to see uh, local businesses, but especially in the downtown area, have a nice steady flow of people, and it's just good to see the community start to rally around. This and other businesses and and Matt downtown. I mean is 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 having its little revival post covid I was going to uh, add second that. Saturdays and yeah.
1: I was going to add that you know uh, not only was the restaurant busy but uh, downtown was hopping.
0: It was, it was. Uh, anyway, what what better testimonial than from Matt? It's even better than my testimonial. So uh, had to had to mention that and it was uh, it was fun hanging out Matt absolutely. Um, Yeah, uh, there's this really interesting piece. I I don't know how much I'm going to be able uh, to get into it, but it's out of the Wall Street Journal, uh, and it's one of their longer kind of magazine articles, and it caught my eye uh, because I think that as unprecedented as this moment in American life feels, the more I learn And read because obviously I wasn't there in the 1920s, but the more I read, there were a lot of similarities between the 2020s and the 1920s. And I'm always curious in the big trends, right? Not the micro stuff, not the micro politics, but what are the big trends, you know? And history may not repeat itself 100%, but the cycles and the waves and how people think about themselves and their country and their identity uh, tends to circle back On itself, And I do say that word, that phrase, which I'm sick of, but uh, I use it strategically uh, right now. It circles back um, on itself. And there's this piece out of the Wall Street Journal. I would encourage anyone to go take a look at it because it's just plain interesting, regardless of whatever your politics are, out of the Wall Street Journal, the return of the old American right. And uh, the the author, uh, Matthew Contineni, makes the case that the Trump GOP resembles the Republican Party of Calvin Coolidge. Uh, in some of its in some of its uh, in some of its policy, um, and uh, it, it's really interesting because uh, in the nineteen twenties uh, there was uh, I didn't know this uh, in the kind of the first half of the twentieth century there was also uh, an America First uh, movement, a, a conservative internationalism. Uh, a the the, the pre World War Two GOP was a party of low taxes, of economic protection, of restricted immigration, of wariness of foreign intervention, uh, and of uh, as as Michael puts it, religious piety. It was very interesting that this was also a response. Uh, to, uh, in the beginning of the 1920s, the and again, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting directly from this piece, the American electorate had soured uh, on its experiences with the progressive movement and the Great War, the influenza pandemic of 1980 to 1920, uh, the red hunting of Wilson administration officials and post-war recession all contributed to civil unrest. Change came in the form of a Republican politician from Ohio Uh, named Warren Harding. Uh, And if all of that seems somewhat familiar, it should be familiar because I think it sounds a lot like uh, it sounds today. Uh, But it's interesting by the late 1930s into the 1940s, um, the the activity of the world, a new world war, um, really unseated um, that Republican movement from power. Um, and showed, again, the need uh, for global relations and sometimes uh, for American uh, interventionism. And, and I'm going to keep going through this piece because I think there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot more to say. Uh, but as I started to read it, I go, you know, there's, there's some national uh, movement and responses uh, to the progressive movement. Uh, over the last 10 years. And by the way, none of these, this is more of a of a history lesson. I, I super apologize. This is not a political statement um, on, on my part, uh, but I think we are at a time where there is about to be an American response to the progressivism of the last 10 years, if I, if I look at the trends. Uh, I, I think there is certainly an American first republicanism, a republicanism of Harding uh, and of Coolidge that is on the rise again. And I think President Trump has represented that. And I think a lot of people thought that when President Trump would leave, um, that the party would return to what it was. And I think we are seeing real time that it is not. And by the way, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I'm saying that is what it is. And we've been here before. We have been on the heels of an influenza uh, a pandemic. We have been on the heels of a global pandemic. We have been um, uh, on the heels of concerns over Russia uh, and China. We have been in a uh, recession that has been created. We have been in periods of civil unrest, all things uh, that were happening in the early part of of the 20th century. But the other thing that I'm curious about, and I don't know where this goes. I don't know where this goes. There's a lot of history right now that is repeating itself. Uh, Unlike, uh, this author says, unlike then, today, uh, this uh, American America first republicanism um, is shut out of cultural institutions. Uh, in college and Harding's age uh, in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, uh, up until the New Deal and, and World War II uh, they, there, were, there were cultural positions of power and so that is a difference. So what does that mean for today? But the, the thing that before I get kicked off the air here that I'm most curious about Uh, And this comes on the heels of of watching the 60 Minutes uh, with President Zelensky of Ukraine. The scene that uh, shifted the Republican Party uh, to the party of Reagan, uh, to that Republicanism that was more globally oriented, um, that was less less, uh, restrictive of immigration, that was less wary of foreign intervention, um, that was less protectionist, was a world war. And I certainly hope to God that what we're seeing in Ukraine uh, and in Europe does not become a world war, right? And I think most people do. And, and I think if we weren't concerned about that, we'd be a lot more engaged over in Ukraine. President Zelensky is giving uh, the international community a very hard time of saying uh, this: the, there is a UN Security Council that it is in no way creating security. If you're not creating security, w- what are you doing? A- a- and to this point, Global powers have not done things like a no-fly zone or have not sent troops in because of a fear of uh, not only a world war, but a nuclear war. But should this go on? Should this become a true global war that pulls in people from all over the globe? Should what we see in Ukraine uh, do what World War II did in this country uh, in the 20th century? Do we see uh, a political shift back? I think it's so many ways we've been in this moment before and we know how it turns out. And will it turn out that way again? This is fresh on my mind. I was with my parents yesterday uh, and, uh, you know, my, 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 my dad is of the generation where he, you know, he watched uh, over dinner the, the, the news after the shooting of, of President Kennedy. That's uh, so that's kind of the you know the world that he grew up in was get under your desks in case of a nuclear uh, bomb, right? This is the world he grew up in. And I said, has any time in your life been like this? And the answer was no. We are in a once in a century moment, but apparently, we're not in an unprecedented moment. We have very much um, been here before, and maybe, as some people say, maybe America's history does uh, recycle and repeat every hundred years and if it's so it's kind of eerie because we have in many ways um, been here before the piece is the return of the old American right out of the Wall Street Journal again not meant for any political purposes on my part It's it's an interesting history lesson Um, and I'd encourage anyone to go read it. It's a super interesting read about the America of the 20s uh, and how it shifted and what it was and what it was very much like. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's show. That does it for us today. Uh, Stephen Fleming is coming in to talk about the University of Arizona's role in potentially making Tucson the space city of the Southwest. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, and I'm very much looking forward to it. We're going to end the week... Um, with Arizona State University President Dr. Michael Crow. That's always a fun conversation and lots of interesting guests and open phone line hours in between. So uh, keep us here on your dial, AM 1030 KVY The Voice, 9 a.m. We'll be back Tuesday tomorrow. You can check out the podcast, Tipping Point, with Zach Yenster on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, uh, and kvy.com forward slash podcast. Anywhere where you find podcasts, we are there. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Matt, as always. Hugh, Hugh, what's up next? Bill Buckmaster. After that, Tucson. We'll see you on Tuesday.